Joining me now on the phone is Raja Krishnamurthy. He's a Democratic congressman from Schaumburg. He is the chairman of the Subcommittee on Economic and Consumer Policy. Uh, obviously, uh, Congressman, we've been talking a lot about small businesses, and I know that's a big concern of yours as well. But thank you so much for joining me this evening. Absolutely. Thank you, Rick. So I, I uh, led into this with the fact that uh, we've been playing during the newscast that uh, Chuck Schumer has raised an issue that your subcommittee uh, has expressed concerns about. And while everybody talks about testing, 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 uh, certainly part of this being the serology testing to see if someone is been infected and has antibodies, the fact is that we can't really be... Uh, we can't really rely on the testing that's available right now. That's right. I think that the FDA has really um, uh, created a wild west of um, unregulated, um, unvalidated tests that, um, you know, a lot of people are uh, going to unfortunately use. And uh, the FDA has basically made it more possible for scam artists to prey upon vulnerable citizens and people will make unfortunately dangerous life decisions based on faulty test results. And so um, my committee has called upon the FDA to basically clear the market of all these unauthorized tests uh, and, and to require that any test going forward be authorized by the FDA and also to put out, put out clear standards about exactly what consumers should and should not do with the test results because from their standpoint, they need to know what does the testing actually mean. And so really, I believe the FDA has been AWOL on this issue and it could have dangerous consequences. Well, I find it interesting, and in, in the subcommittee, one of its preliminary findings was that the FDA did not review any coronavirus rapid antibody test kits before they went right. to market. That's and, right. And, and so, I mean, we always kind of look at the FDA to protect us from these scams. So uh, how can we be assured of anything at this point? That's right. I mean, when people, you know, buy, um, you know, most uh, health care products or products that are, are this um, important for their health, um, they usually uh, assume that the FDA has approved their sale. However, in this case, um, the FDA is allowing anybody to, virtually anybody to sell anything. I'll just give you an example. Um, they uh, do have a way that companies can require authorization of their testing kits. Only four companies thus far have taken advantage of that route, whereas 107 companies have gone the other route where they basically can um, sell something without FDA authorization, and uh, they have to just, quote-unquote, self-validate. In other words, tell the FDA that they did validate their data. Um, and the problem is the FDA is not requiring them to produce the data, and they're not even taking enforcement actions to prevent fraud or fraudulent claims about their tests. So this is very dangerous, Rick. Well, and especially because we're kind of looking at that, uh, at antibody testing as kind of that essential phase to move forward. And, you know, plus of the antibody tests that are available, uh, there's not a, a lot of confidence in, in the outcomes that they're, de they're determining anyway. That's right. Um, the science is still unsettled, and that's something that perhaps your uh, listeners and you already know, but people don't even know what it means for the presence of 
COVID-19 antibodies uh, in terms of the immunity that it confers on somebody, um, whether it whether it means that the person uh, is uh, henceforth immune from a second infection, uh, whether they could stop practicing social distancing, and so forth. In fact, the WHO just announced a couple days ago that they are finding that people with antibodies to COVID-19 are developing second secondary infections in some cases. And so we have to really be very careful and cautious about what we do with serological testing going forward. I wanted to ask you about, uh, obviously, with your interest in small business, and we've been talking about that uh, all afternoon. About, yes. You know, so we, we finally get a replenishment of the Paycheck Protection Program, um, but and, and some set-aside money for more grounded, more local small businesses. But... Given how fast the initial round of funding was was taken, what are what are the opportunities here for small businesses who who maybe have filed the first time and didn't get in? What are their chances of getting in before their money runs dry again? I think it will be better. I actually want more uh, underlying changes to the program. Uh, those. Uh, legislative fixes were not made in this stimulus 3.5 package that we passed two days ago. However, there were some improvements. Here were a couple improvements that were made. One is of the $320 billion that is um, going toward replenishing PPP, $60 billion of it is being set aside essentially for credit unions and smaller financial institutions uh, in the hopes that because they cater to those smaller small businesses, those smaller small businesses will hopefully get more out of this PPP program. That's been a big concern of mine. The second uh, improvement is there's going to be a significant infusion of money into the disaster loan program that's directly administered by the SBA. It's called the, um, a lot of people call it the IDLE program. Um, it's $60 billion in additional funds there. And the benefit there, again, is a lot of smaller small businesses participate in that type of program, and they don't have to deal with banks. They don't have to deal with uh, lending institutions that might, you know, look down their nose at those smaller small businesses. And, and, and you know, I think that hopefully they'll get access to a little more money. Well, and, and uh, as we've mentioned, uh, Treasury Secretary Mnuchin is saying, well, maybe we don't need to have any more money. Uh, go to businesses after after this that that the economy hopefully will reopen enough that small businesses won't need to come out of the uh, the government uh, printing I'm, office. I'm a little concerned that they're uh, a, a touch um, aloof from the realities of the situation, Rick. I mean, I mean, we are besieged by small businesses every day in my office who are you know hanging on by their fingernails uh, to survival right now. This money will carry them forward for, um, you know, maybe a couple months. But after that, um, you know, business is not going to return to normal so long as we don't have a vaccine, which is not really in the offing for maybe another year, okay? So if that's the, if that's the situation, um, I think that we have to do whatever it takes to keep these small businesses going. If it means a, a greater infusion of money, so be it. You know, we put this economy into a medically induced coma. 
and uh, it's it's up to us to you know preserve enough. Uh, you know, basically supply enough money to preserve the vital signs of the patient, but then we have to wake up the patient and get them going again. <laughs> and that is the um, the role of future packages, I think, at this point. We're speaking with Raja Krishnamurthy, Democratic Congressman from Schaumburg. I'm Rick Pearson. This is the Sunday Spin. Welcome back to your Sunday Spin. It's 6.46 on this Sunday evening. 312-981-7200 is our phone number. We're speaking with Raja Krishnamurthy, Democratic Congressman from Schaumburg. Uh, Congressman, we've got a question from Roberta. Roberta, okay. welcome to the Sunday Spin. Thank you, Rick. Uh, yes, I'm a senior citizen in my 80s, and I never received my stimulus check, and so did two of my daughters didn't receive theirs other and other people in my family received theirs already, and I really could use it. I don't know who you call or what you do. Why? And 40 people on Facebook, my daughter once said they had never received theirs. What do you do, or how do you, who do you talk to to find out what happens? I call the bank every day. I'm driving them nuts over there. Thank you, Roberta, for calling. Congressman, some constituent service here. Yeah, uh, why don't you call my office? I'll give you the number. Uh, it's 847 413 one nine five nine again it's eight four seven four one three nineteen fifty nine is this a frequent uh, problem that your office is encountering yes uh different people seem to be re- receiving their checks at different times there was a group of folks who had provided direct deposit information um who received their uh, deposits maybe starting 10 days ago. Um, And then there's a group of people um, who, uh, you know, need to get checks. And that's where we're seeing a lot of problems, Rick. Um, I don't know if you saw the latest, but apparently there's been a huge delay in the issuance of these checks because Donald Trump wanted to put his name on the checks, uh, which causes a logistical issue, and he wanted to enclose a letter uh, basically telling people that, uh, you know, these checks uh, are you know, basically uh, almost courtesy of him. Um, and uh, anyway, there's a lot of delay, and uh, um, that, I, I don't find it to be appropriate, but that's also uh, causing issues, too. I understand, actually, that the, there is a letter that's signed because there were issues about he wanted the, his signature on the check, and they couldn't do that. So that's uh, that's the word out today, uh, is that there's an accompanying letter with his signature. Um, oh, my goodness. Another, uh, we have a, a texter uh, from 847. Uh, are grocery store workers and nursing home workers uh, getting hazard pay? I know it's been requested, but I don't know what the status of that situation is i think they should that's from mary thank you mary well we we as a democratic caucus put that forward as a priority even in stimulus 3.5 the republicans with whom we negotiated uh said that was a non-starter for them uh we're gonna try again in the next uh cares package um because i do think that um, you know, a lot of these folks are exposing themselves, Rick, uh, to hazard. And, um, you know, it's nice to say, you know, you're in my thoughts and prayers, but it's another thing to also rec- recognize their, um, you know, taking risk with a, a little additional pay, which also will help address their additional expenses. 
Obviously, uh, there was a lot of talk this week about a, a, a CARES for package, stimulus package, uh, kind of the debate that was uh, maybe not started, but certainly uh, was emphasized by uh, the Senate Republican leader, Mitch McConnell, when he said about states that are uh, having financial issues that uh, the Senate Republicans aren't interested in bailing out states for their past mismanagement, including any pensions, and that uh, they should have the uh, ability to go bankrupt. Uh, what are your thoughts? Well, I think bankruptcy is a, a, a terrible option. I think that the fact that he even mentioned it was um, kind of uh, said in disregard of the fact that it would destabilize the economy. It would probably throw us into further chaos at a time when we, you know, we need to stabilize the economy. We need to normalize things, um, and we need to stop the free fall that's happening. And um, I think what he's saying is absolutely unacceptable. And, um, you know, in my own district, I have mayors left and right uh, who have done the right thing in terms of their fiscal policies. They've balanced their budgets every year. Um, They've held the line on spending, um, and they are seeing their budgets go into free fall. Uh, Their expenses have gone up as they try to battle the pandemic, and their revenues are drying up. And I guarantee you, um, Rick, that if we don't provide them with this aid, uh, that they are going to have to cut services. Uh, I'm talking about police, fire, sanitation, and even public health-related expenses that are vital to, to battling the pandemic. So, um, and, I, and I also guarantee you one other thing, which is that you can ask mayors in rural Georgia or in suburban Chicago, where I represent, they're all going to say the same thing, which is we need aid now. And um, uh, I don't think it should be a partisan issue, and I'm glad that folks like Bill Cassidy, the Republican senator from Louisiana, and Larry Hogan, the Republican governor of Maryland, are really stepping up and uh, uh, strongly advocating for it, as we all should. Well, and, you know, we've even uh, seen locally, uh, and we'll be speaking with uh, in the next half hour with Brad Cole, the executive director of the Illinois Municipal League, but we've seen some areas, uh, some municipalities in the state, uh, frankly, I ran into something from uh, the community of Monmouth out in western Illinois where they're laying off full-time first responders as a result of a budget crunch. We, you know, um, one thing that we should remember is that in the last Great Recession, 10 years ago, you know, I was a small businessman then, and, and at that time I was very upset that the federal government neglected small businesses. So this time around I tried to make sure that small businesses were taken care of. But another lesson that we learned from then is if you don't take care of or help those municipalities and uh, state governments that are really suffering, they're going to add to the woes of the economy by laying off, you know, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of these firefighters, police officers, uh, and other public servants. And that only furthers uh, the hole in which we're in. So uh, I I hope that um, my Republican counterparts really, uh, you know, basically step up and talk about the need for this. It should not be a partisan issue at this point. I guess the question becomes, though, I mean, if, if everybody agrees there's the shortfall in revenue uh, and, and it would be 
you know, the federal government should consider making up for that. But, you know, should it be unrestricted funds? I know that was one suggestion is that the states ought to be getting block grants. Uh you know, where, where do you draw the line between tying up uh, the hands of a, of a state government or local government versus, you know, filling what what could be viewed as legitimate need? You know, I think that um, just as we are basically aiding uh, other entities that are seeing revenue shortfalls, whether it's small businesses, whether it's working families, um and, and, and basically allowing them to use that money uh, in a certain way, um, I think that we should make up for at least part of the revenue shortfalls that these other entities are seeing, Rick. I, I, I just don't see how we can put so many strings on there that they can't use it for um, their daily needs and, and for that money to matter at all to helping with 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 the response to the pandemic. So, um, you know, I think right now we should avoid the uh, political rhetoric. I think the president said the other day, this is a blue state problem, if I'm not mistaken. That was Mitch, well, McConnell. Wrong. That, that was Mitch McConnell who said that. Okay. Um, you know, and I, I, I think that that type of rhetoric, uh, you know, just polarizes uh, support and, you know, basically people in red states think, oh, well, this is not something that could possibly help me, <laughs> when, in fact, if they talk to their mayors uh, and local public you know, officials, they would, they would learn the opposite. One last thing, since we were speaking about the stimulus checks before, do you see another round of those being issued by the federal government? Possibly. You know, I think that um, $1,200 for an individual um, is a start, but... I really strongly disagree with Secretary Mnuchin, who I believe, um, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he said he thought that this could last 10 weeks uh, for the average family or for an individual. And uh, again, I think he's really out of touch. Um, I think that we have to understand that um, some of these benefits are a start, but the longer that this pandemic uh, extends uh, and the longer that the economy is kind of moribund and we're not able to, it's just kind of dead uh, in a lot of places. Uh, we got we to gotta keep these families alive uh, economically. At what point, though, are we just printing money? <laughs> um, and, and, and when does, you know, when do we pay the piper? Look, I'm, I'm as a former small business person, I, I very much uh, want us to live within our means, and absolutely debt is a huge problem and a long-term problem that we have to grapple with. But, you know, in the short term, we got to survive, Rick. Um, and I, I think that's why, um, as some of my Republican counterparts, when this began, said, you know, this is really hopefully a once-in-a-lifetime situation. But at least right now, um, I don't see how we can get out of you know, providing a lifeline to people who are literally drowning economically. Um, and I think that if we were to stand on the principle that we shouldn't issue further bonds uh, at a, uh, you know, really historically low rate right now, which um, unfortunately racks up debt, um, we're just going to allow whole sectors of our economy to, to die and working families or previously working families to, to go with them. 
uh, I know that there has been increased uh, benefits for SNAP, those kinds of things. Do you see that kind of uh, continuing as almost a, a permanent rather than temporary uh, relief? I don't know. Uh, you know, food insecurity was growing even before <clears throat> the uh, pandemic, but um, at least for now and probably for the duration of this recession, um, I, I do see that uh, we're going to have elevated uh, levels of, uh, you know, SNAP benefits. Um, you know, we're talking about, I don't know what the exact numbers are right now. Uh, we're looking at 26 million people unemployed at least. Um, you know, we're looking at upwards of 15 to 20% unemployment, which is um, something we have not seen in a very, very long time. And so this is a, a kind of an unfortunate new reality that we have to deal with, and but we have to deal with aggressively. That's Raja Krishnamurthy, Democratic Congressman from Schaumburg. Congressman, as always, thank you for joining me on the Sunday Spin. Hey, thank you so much again, Rick.